Chapter 16. We take a zebra to Vegas. The war god was waiting for us in a dinner parking lot. Well, well, he said. You didn't get yourself killed. You knew it was a trap, he said. Ares gave me a wicked grin. Bet that crippled blacksmith was surprised when he netted a couple of stupid kids. You look good on TV. I shoved a shield at him. You're a jerk. Edmund and Grover caught their breath. Ares grabbed the shield and spun it in the air like a pizza dough. It changed form, melting into a bulletproof vest. He slung it across his back. See that truck over there? He pointed to an 18-wheeler parked across the street from the dinner diner. That's your ride. Take you straight to L.A. with one stop in Vegas. Dayton Wheeler had a sign on the back, which I could read only because it was reverse printed white on black. A good combination for dyslexia. Kindness International Humane Zoo Transport. Warning, live wild animals. I said, you're kidding. Ari snapped his fingers. The back of the door truck. Unlatched. Free red West Punk. Stop complaining. And here's a little something for doing the job. He slung a blue nylon backpack off his handlebars and tossed it to me. Inside were fresh clothes for all of us. Twenty bucks in cash. A pouch full of folded drachmas. And a bag of double surf Oreos. I said, I don't want your lousy. Thank you, Lord Aries. Grover interrupted, giving me his best red alert warning look. Thanks a lot. I gritted my teeth. I was probably a deadly insult to refuse something from a god. But I didn't want anything that Ares had touched. Reluctantly, I slung the backpack on my shoulder. I knew the anger was being caused by the war god's presence, but I was still inching to punch him in the nose. He reminded me of every bully I'd ever faced. Nancy Balfit, Clarice, Molly Gabe, sarcastic teachers, every jerk who had called me stupid in school or laughed at me when I got an expel. I looked back at the diner, which had only a couple of customers now. The waitress who'd served the diner were watching nervously out of the window, she was, like she was afraid of Aries might hurt us. She dragged the fry cook out to, from the kitchen to see. She said something to him. He nodded, held up a little disposable camera, and snapped a picture of us. Great, I thought. We'll make the papers again tomorrow. I imagined the headline. 12-year-old outlaw beats up a defenseless biker. You owe me one thing, I told Aries, trying to keep my voice level. You promised me information about my mother. You sure can handle the news? To kick-start the motorcycle. She's not dead. The ground seemed to spin behind me, beneath me. What do you mean? I mean, she was taken away from the Minotaur before she could die. She was turned into a shower of gold, right? That's metamorphosis, not that she's being kept. Kept? Why? You need to study war, punk. Hostages. You think somebody controlled somebody else? No one is controlling me. He laughed. Oh, yeah? See you around, kid. I bowed out my fist. See, you're pretty smug, Lord Ares. For a guy who runs from Cupid statues, behind his glasses, fire glowed. I felt a hot wind in my hair. We'll meet again, Percy Jackson. Next time we're in a fight, watch your back. He revved his Harley, then rode off down the Delancey Street.
Annabeth said, that was not smart, Percy. I don't care. You want a god as your enemy, especially not... You don't want a god as your enemy, especially that god. Hey guys, Grover said. I hate to interrupt, but he pointed toward the diner. At a register, the last two customers were paying their check. Two men in identical black coveralls with a white logger on their backs. That marched the one on the kindness that matched the one on the kindness international truck. If we're taking the Zoo Express, Grover said, we need to hurry. I didn't like it, but we had no better option. Besides, I've seen enough of Denver. We ran across the street and climbed back in the back of the big ring, closing the doors behind us. The first thing that hit me was the smell. It was like the world's biggest pan of Kitty Liller. The trailer was dark inside until I camped and I looked most. The blade cast a faint bronze light over very sad scene. Sitting in a row filled team male cages were three of the most pathetic zoo animals I'd ever beheaded. beheld. A zebra, a male ablino lion, and some weird antelope thing I don't know I didn't know their name for. Someone had thrown the lion a sack of turnips, would be obviously didn't want to eat. Would he obviously didn't want to eat. The zebra and the antelope had each gotten a styrofoam tray of hamburger meat. Like somebody had been splitting it on their spare time. The antelope had a stupid silver birthday balloon tied to one of its horns that read, Over the hill! Apparently, nobody had wanted to get close enough to the line to mess with him, but the poor thing was pacing around the solid blankets in a space way too small for him, panting from the stuffy heat of the trailer. He had flies buzzing around his pink eyes and his ribs shoved through his white fur. This is kindness, Grover yelled. Humans do transport? He probably would have gone right back outside to beat up the truckers with its weird reed pipes, and I would have helped him. But just then, the truck's engine roared to life. The trailer started shaking, and we were forced to sit down or fall down. We held in the corner of some meal-wheeled feed sacks, trying to ignore the smell and heat of the flies. Grover talked to animals in a series of clothes bleeds, but they just stared at him sadly. Annabelle was in favor of breaking the cages and freeing them on the spot. But I pointed out it wouldn't do much good until the truck stopped moving. Besides, I had a feeling we might look a lot better to the lion than those turnips. I found a water jug and refilled their bowls. Then used Analuxmos to drag the mismatched food out of their cages and gave the meat to the lion and the turnips to the zebra and the antelope. Grover calmed the antelope down. A while, Annabeth used her knife to cut out the balloon off his horn. She wanted to cut the gum out of the zebra's mane too, but we decided that it would be too risky with the truck bumping around. We told Grover to promise animals we'd help them more in the morning. Then we sailed in for the night. Annabeth curled up on the turning sack. Annabeth opened our bag of dumb 
Pringles, stuffed Oreos, and nip one half-heartedly. I tried to cheer myself up by concentrating on the fact that we were halfway to Los Angeles. Halfway to our destination. It was only June 14th. The solstice wasn't until 21st. We could make it in plenty of time. On the other hand, I had no idea what to expect next. The gods kept toying with me. At least Hapitasis had a decent to be honest about it. He put up cameras and advertised me as entertainment. But even when the cameras weren't rolling, I had a feeling my quest was being watched. I was a source of amusement for the gods. Hey, Annabeth said. I'm sorry for freaking out back at the water park, Percy. That's okay. It's just, she shuddered. Spiders. Because of our kin story, I guess. She got turned into a spider for challenging your mom in a weaving contest, right? I bet not. Arakin's children have been taking revenge on the children of Fatina ever since. If there is a spider within a mile of me, it'll find me. I hate the creepy little things. Anyway, I owe you. We're a team, remember? I said. Besides, Grover did a fancy flying. I thought he was asleep, but he mumbled from the corner. I was pretty amazing, wasn't I? Abed and I laughed. He pulled apart an onion, handed me half. And the iris message did look really say nothing. I munched my cookie and thought about how to answer. The conversation via Rainbow had bothered me all evening. Luke said you and he wait go way back. He also said Grover wouldn't fail this time. Nobody would turn into a pine tree. In the dim bronze light of the sword blade, it was hard to read her expression. Grover let out a mournful bray. I should have told you the truth from the beginning, his voice trembled. I thought if you knew what a failure I was, you wouldn't want me along. You were to say or try to rescue Talia, the daughter of Zeus, he nodded glumly. And the two half-bloods Talia befriended, the ones you got to safety to camp, I looked at Annabeth. That was you and Luke, wasn't it? He put down her ear, or Oreo, uneaten. Like you said, Percy, a seven-year-old half-blood girl, half-blood, wouldn't have made it very far alone. Athena guided me toward help. Tyler was twelve. Luke was fourteen. They both ran away from home, like me. They were happy to take me with them. There were amazing monster fighters. Even without training, we traveled north from Virginia without any real plans, fending off monsters for about two weeks before Grover found us. I was supposed to escort Talia to camp, he said, sniffling. sniffling. Only Talia. I had strict orders from Chiron. Don't do anything that would slow down the rescue. We knew Hades was after her. See, but I couldn't just leave Luke and Anna bed by themselves. I thought, I thought I could lead all three of them to safety. It was my fault the kindly ones caught up with us. I froze. I got scared on the way back to camp and took some wrong turns. If I'd just been a little quicker... Stop it, Annabeth said. No one blames you. Tal didn't blame you either. She sacrificed herself to save us, she said. he said miserably. Her debt was my fault. The Council of Cloven Elders said so. Because you wouldn't lead to other haplets behind, I said. That's not fair. Percy's right, Annabeth said. I wouldn't be there today if it weren't for you.
here today if it weren't for you, Grover. Neither would Luke. We don't care what the council says. Grover kept sniffling in the dark. It was just my luck. I'm the lamest sitter ever, and I find two of the most powerful haplets, and I find the two most powerful haplets in the century, Talia and Percy. You're not lame, Annabel insisted. You got more courage than any sitter I ever met. Name one who other would dare to go in the underworld. I bet Percy is really glad you're here right now. She kicked me in the shin. Yeah, I said, which I would have done even without a kick. It's not luck that you found Talia and me, Grover. You got the best heart of any sailor ever. You're a natural researcher. That's why you'll be the one who finds Pan. I heard a deep, satisfied sigh. I waited for Grover to say something, but his breathing only got heavier. When the sound turned to snoring, I realized it falling asleep. How does he do that? I marveled. I don't know, Annabeth said, but that was a really nice thing you told him. I meant it. We rolled in silence for a few miles, bumping on the feed sacks. The zebra munched a turnip. The lion licked the last of the hamburger meat off his lips and looked at me hopefully. Annabeth rubbed her necklace like she was thinking deep, strategic thoughts. The pine tree bead, I said. Is that from her first year? She looked. She hadn't realized what she was doing. Yeah, she said. Every August, the counselors picked the most important event of the summer, and they paid it on the year's beads. I've got Tallis pine tree, a great dream on the fire. A centaur in a prom dress. Now, that was weird, Summer. And a college ring is her father's? That's none of your... She stopped herself. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You don't have to tell me. No, it's okay. She took a shady breath. My dad sent it to me, folding up in a letter two summers ago. The ring was like his main keepsake from Matina. He wouldn't have gone through his doctoral program at Harvard without her. That's a long story. Anyway, he said he wanted me to have it. He apologized for being a jerk. Said he loved me and he missed me. He wanted me to come home and live with him. That doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, well, the problem was I believed him. I tried to go home for that school year, but my step one was the same as ever. She didn't want her kids put in danger by living with a freak. Monsters attack, we argued. Monsters attack, we argued. I didn't even make it through winter break. I called Chiron and came back right to Camp Hapblood. You think you'll ever try living with your dad again? She wouldn't meet my eyes. Please, I'm not into self, self-inked pain. You shouldn't give up, I told her. You should write him a letter or something. Thanks for the advice, she said coldly. But my father's made his decision. Now, who do we want to live with? We passed another few miles of silence. So if the gods fight, I said. Will things line up the way they did with the Trojan War? Will that? Will it be Athena versus Poseidon? She put her head against the backpack. Ares had given us and closed her eyes. I don't know what my mom would do. 
I just know I'll fight next to you. Why? Because you're my friend, seaweed brain. Any more stupid questions? I couldn't think of an answer for that. Fortunately, I didn't have to. Annabeth was asleep. I had trouble following her example, with Grover snoring and an albino lion staring hungrily at me. But eventually, I closed my eyes. My nightmare started out as something I dreamed a million times before. I'd been forced to take standardized tests while wearing a stared straight jacket. And all other kids were going out to recess. And the teacher kept saying, Come on, Percy, you're not stupid, are you? Pick up your pencil! Then the dream stayed from the usual. I looked over the next desk. I saw a girl sitting there also, wearing a straight jacket. She was my age with unruly back punk style hair, dark eyeliner around her stormy green eyes, and freckles across her nose. Somehow I knew she w who she was. She was Talia, daughter of Zeus. She struggled against the straight jacket, glared at me in frustration, and said, Well, Siren Brain, one of us has to get out of here. She was right. My dream self taught. I'm going back to the cavern. I'm going to give Hades a piece of my mind. The street jacket melted off me. I fell through the class. Room 4. The teacher's voice changed until it was the cold and evil echoing from the depths of a great chasm. Percy Jackson, it said. Yes, the exchange went well, I see. I was back in a dark cavern, spirits of the dead drifting around me, and seen in the pit, the monstrous thing was speaking. But this time, it wasn't addressing me. The numbing power of this voice seemed to be directed somewhere else. And he suspects nothing? It asked. Another voice. I, one I almost recognized. Answered at my shoulder. Nothing, my lord. He is an ign as ignorant as the rest. I looked over, but no one was there. The speaker was invisible. Deception upon deception, the thing in the pit, the thing in the pit mused aloud. Excellent. Truly, my lord, said a voice behind me. You are well named, the crooked one. But was it really necessary? I could have bought you what he sold directly. You, the monster said in scorn. You have already shown your limits. You would have failed me completely. Have I not intervened, but my lord, peace, little servant, a six month had bought us much. Zeus anger has grown, Poseidon has played his most desperate card. Now we shall use it against him, surely you have your what you wish, and your revenge. As soon as both items are delivered into my hands, but wait. He is here. What? said the invisible servant suddenly sometimes. You summon him, my lord? No. The full force of the monster's tension was now pouring over me, freezing me in place. Blast his father's blood. He's too changeable, too unpredictable. The boy bought himself hither. Impossible, the servant cried. For a weakling such as you, perhaps, the voice snarled. Then its cold power turned back on me. So you wish to dream of your quest, young Haplet? Then I will oblige. The scene changed. I was standing in a vast room, 
with black marble walls, bronze floors, the empty horrid throne was made from human bones fused together. Standing at the foot of us, the days was made father, frozen in a shimmering golden light. Her arms, his arms, I, through days was made mother, frozen in shimmering golden light, her arms outstretched. I tried to step towards her, but my legs wouldn't move. I reached for her, only to realize that my hands were withering to bones. Grinning skeletons in Greek armor crowded around me, draping me with silk robes, wetting my hands with laurels and smoke with chimera poison, burning into my scalp. The evil voice began to laugh. Hail the conquering hero! I woke with a start. Grover was shaking my shoulder. The truck stopped, he said. We think they're coming to check on the animals. Hide, Annabeth hissed. She had it easy. She just put on her magic cap and disappeared. Grover and I had to dive beneath, behind the feed sacks and hope we looked like turnips. The trailer doors creaked open. Sunlight and heat poured in. Man, one of the truckers said waving his hand in the front of his ugly nose. I wish our whole applicants. Appliances. He climbed inside and poured some water in from a jug into the animal's dishes. You hot big boy, said the lion. Then he splashed the rest of the bucket straight into the lion's face. The lion roared with indignation. Yeah, 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 the man said next to me under the turning sacks, Grover tense. For a peace-loving high reward, he looked downright murderous. The trucker threw the antelopes, a squash-looking Happy Meal bag. He smirked at the zebra. How you doing, Stripes? Lise will be getting rid of you to the stop. You think magic shows? You like magic shows? You're going to love this one. They're going to saw you in half. The zebra, wide-eyed in fear, looked straight at me. There was no sound, but as clear as day, I heard it say, Free me, Lord, please. As you saunter act, there was a loud knock, knock, knock on either side of the trailer. The trucker inside with us yelled, What do you want, Daddy? A voice outside. It must have been Eddie shouted back, Morris, what do you say? What are you banging for? Knock, knock, knock. Outside, Eddie yelled, What banging? A guy, Morris, rolled his eyes and went back outside, cursing at Eddie for being an idiot. A second later, Annabeth appeared next to me. She must have done the banging to get Maurice off the trailer, he said. This transfer business can't be legal. No kidding, Grover said. He paused, as if listening. The lion says these guys are animal smugglers. That's right, said the zebra's voice in my mind. We've got to free them, Grover said. He and Annabeth both looked at me, waiting for my lead. I heard the zebra talk, but not the lion. Why? Maybe with another learning disability, I could only understand zebras. Then I thought, horses, what had Annabeth said about Poseidon's cre Poseidon creating horses? Was a zebra close enough to a horse? Was that why I could understand it, the zebra said. Open my cage, Lord, please. I'll be fine after that. Outside, any and Maurice were still yelling at each other. But I knew they'd been coming inside to torment the animals again by any minute. 
I grab at Riptide and slash in the lock of the zebra's cage. The zebra bursts out and turns to me and bowed. Thank you, Lord. Grover held his hands and said something to the zebra in goat talk, like a blessing. Just as Maurice was poking his head back inside to check out the noise, the zebra leapt over him and into the street. There was yelling and screaming, the cars honking. We rushed to the doors of the trailer in time to see the zebra galloping down a wide boulevard lined with hotels and casinos. Nay inside, we just realized a zebra in Las Vegas. done reading with chapter 16 we take a zebra to vegas yet but please stay tuned for the continuation